0: Welcome to the Simple Brand Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you create simple experiences for your customers and for your team members. Each week, we're bringing you amazing interviews with business leaders and authors who will teach you how to differentiate your business with the one thing your customers need the most, simplicity. Your customers live in a complex world. Let's make it simple. Now here's your host, Matt Lyles.
1: Do you want to hear an interesting stat? Well, too bad, because I'm going to tell you anyway. 80% of the population have a dream of writing some sort of book. But out of that 80%, only 5% of those people actually do it. But here's something that I've learned recently, is that writing a book can be one of the best ways to establish and build your personal brand. And it can be one of the best ways to establish and build even your business's brand. So why do so few people actually take that leap and write the book that they know that they have in them? I think that there's a veil of mystery around writing a book. You know, where do I start? How do I design it? How do I get it printed? How do I sell it? How do I make it into something that people beyond just my parents would actually want to buy? Well, thankfully, there's a resource that can help with that. My friend, Honoré Corder. Honoré is a book and publishing coach. She's a TEDx speaker. She's the author of more than 50 books, including You Must Write a Book. And she's the co-creator of the Miracle Morning book series with Hal Elrod. I mean, that's pretty cool right there. But beyond that, Honoré actually helps businesses and professionals and entrepreneurs write and publish and monetize, because that's important, and monetize their books. And it helps them to boost their brands and get more business. And so we're talking with Honore today to help lift that veil of mystery so that you can better understand that not only can you write a book, but that you must write a book. You know, there are so many people out there that would benefit from hearing your personal story. People that would benefit from your expertise and people that are going to understand through your book, the authority and expertise that you have and how you can help them through your business. But before we even get into the interview with Honoré, I've got to let you know that Honoré is opening up enrollment for her next publishing PhD live course. Her course starts on September 8th And it's an eight-week course where you and a small group of other writers will walk alongside each other and on array as she helps you understand and learn exactly how to write and publish and launch and market your book. She helps make it so easy to understand that you think to yourself well, gosh, why haven't I done this before? Or if you have done it before and you've done it on your own, she helps you understand, wow, these are all the mistakes that I made. This is how I can do it so much better. But you need to go and sign up for her course, Publishing PhD Live. And you can go there by visiting mattliles.com slash PhD. That'll take you right to her site where you can learn more about the details of the course and sign up for the course right there. Again, the course starts on September 8th, so I encourage you to go ahead and sign up right now. If you aren't able to make it for this September course, that's okay. She teaches the course three times a year, but this will be your last opportunity in 2020, to be able to take this course and quickly understand what you can do to write and publish and launch your book in the new year. Now, let's learn a little bit more around Honoré's insight, perspective, and philosophy, and how easy it is for you to write and launch your book. Here it is, my interview with Honoré Corder. Hi, Honoré. How are you?
2: I'm wonderful. How are you?
1: I'm doing pretty well. Still in this pandemic environment, but I have loved being able to meet with people virtually, like we're doing today. And I know um, I've met with a lot of people all over the U.S. virtually, but what is funny to me is when I'm meeting with somebody here in Nashville, like you, you know, like, you know, we've, we've met before in person, right. we've had coffee, but right now we can only meet virtually.
2: Right. Well, it's. I think once you've met in person, or even if you haven't, you can still have a quality get-together.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I have been able to make so many fun, new connections this way.
2: Me too. Me too. I've been on some na- nationwide virtual meetings where I have met some of the most incredible people because people are very open to these types of conversations and meetings. And also we're all real skilled. Now <laughs> we have all the, we have the zoom skills down.
1: Most people have the zoom skills down.
2: Okay. Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> I did see there was a drinking game, right. Right. Wow. For every person who says, I think you're muted. Or can you stop <laughs> making noise? Can you mute yourself? Right. That's all, all, all of those are shot opportunities. <laughs>
1: Oh, absolutely. And look, looking up into somebody's nostrils because their camera's positioned too low, that's not fun oh, either.
2: Always a good time. It's always entertaining, if nothing else.
1: It is. And it's always a learning opportunity. But today, I want to learn about writing a book. Up until maybe a year ago, to me, writing a book seemed like something that only a small percentage of people were able to do. And after meeting you, it sounds like it's it's actually really accessible. Not only is it accessible, it's something that people must do. And you wrote a book about that. You you know you must write a book. So tell me, what can people learn from you must write a book?
2: First of all, they will get a, the perspective that you have, which is that it is possible for anyone who wants to write a book to write a book, and then they will learn the steps to writing their own book and have some reassurance along the way. I always start with, you know, who must write a book? Why must you write a book? And then how do you do it? And how do you do it in an effective way professionally? And in a way that's going to both fulfill the vision that you have in your head for why you would write a book, who you, how you want to help people in general, and also how to uh, get the book out into the world and monetize it and get a return on that time and money investment.
1: Oh, yeah. There's so many more steps involved than just simply putting the pen to paper. If, if you write, you know, analog or, you know, putting your fingers to the keyboard, at least.
2: Yes. Actually, before you put anything on that blank page, there are some questions to ask about why you're writing the book, what's in it for you and what do you want the reader to get out of it and what do you want to get out of it ultimately and how do you want to create your author-reader relationship and what does that look like and all of those questions are best answered before you put pen to paper and certainly before you title the book and subtitle the book and work on the art and those sorts of things. It's good to get real clarity and perspective before you begin your journey as an author.
1: And I think I see that sometimes with authors. I will pick up a book sometimes and I'll look at it and I'll think, where is this going? And did they really have a plan or, or did they just kind of throw everything up onto the pages and just, you know, bind it and print it? So what are those main questions that you have to ask before you start your book?
2: Sure. So I always start someone with what's in it for you. What do you want from your book? And it is not a time to be humble. Um, It is not, I want the world to be a better place. You know, of course you do, (laughs) right? That's not in question. Really, what do you want from it? Do you want more money? Do you want more clients or customers? Do you want both? Do you want something else? Do you want to become a thought leader? Do you want to create what I call the trifecta of awesomeness, which is to add author to a couple of other money streams, speaking coaching courses, Um, Those sorts of things, consulting or training, or uh, there are uh, two dozen possible streams of income that can go with it. So when I'm working with someone, we usually identify two other streams of income that they want to simultaneously uh, develop or at least put the uh, structure in place for those for later. So, the first one is what's in it for you, and answering that question honestly and unabashedly and unashamedly, and just having a good time dreaming and visualizing. And then we get into the questions that would help to inform and influence the contents of the book. The first one is what do you want the reader to do as a result of reading your book? So, we can use you must write a book as an example. Um, I want everyone. Every professional or entrepreneur, specifically, to write and publish a great book. Then the second question is, what do you want the reader to not do? And using that book again as the example, I want them to not write and publish a crappy book that doesn't fulfill their vision. Then we get to question number three, which is really the last question of this process, of this beginning process, which is, what do you want the right reader to do? And I don't mean that there's a wrong reader, but if you're using your book as a uh, positioning peace uh, to become a thought leader or to generate business, then the right reader is going to say, this book has established you as the expert, as the authority in my mind, and I want to engage you at a higher level. So the answer to the third question is, what do you want the right reader to do? Or that's the question. And the answer is what your answer would be. Well, I want the right person to read, you must write a book and say, wow, this really established you as the person who knows this process inside and out. And how do I engage you at a higher level? What do you have available to me as a client? If I were to engage you one-on-one or in a group setting or whatever that looks like, that's the answer to that third question for me is I want people to read the book and say, I have more money than time. And I want to do this right. I want this book to be effective for me and I wanted to develop business for me and I want someone to walk me through the process so I don't make any mistakes and it's as pleasurable and wonderful and profitable as possible.
1: That is really eye opening to me because a lot of times or the the way that I used to think about books, especially, you know, business books or books that were meant to teach me something was that my thought was the author focuses on writing the book for the purpose of making a profit on that book. And the author wants the reader to simply enjoy the book and wait for the next book to come out if possible. Mm. But this is really eye-opening because what you're saying is that the book can actually be the first step in the relationship between that author, that business leader, and potential clients.
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. And that's what it's meant to do, is to establish the author as the authority and the expert in the mind of the reader, allowing them to take action on the solid content. So I am not at all saying that someone should write basically a pamphlet, right? That it's like, this is an advertisement for my services. When I read a book, I want the book to either solve a problem that I have or help me to capitalize on an opportunity. And I want all of the information that can possibly be contained in a book. So I'm not suggesting that someone put in just enough information and then say, but wait, there's more. (laughs) And to get the really good information, you have to pay for it. In my mind, the difference between working with someone on their book And someone reading You Must Write a Book are the conversations that can come, the customization that comes from the conversation about the aspiring author's book. Advice in a book is general, right? The advice in any book is general. It's what you can talk about on a topic as the expert that would benefit every reader. Then we get into what are the specifics. And the specifics come in the upgraded um, and increased level of connection with the author.
1: And if the reader really enjoys the knowledge that they've gained from that and sees, oh, this is the process. This is the experience that can happen. This is how I can grow and develop. And I got this just from the book. Imagine Mm -hmm. what I can get if I work with them directly.
2: Yes, absolutely. And... You find out if you like someone at the beginning of the book. It's like meeting someone dating, right? It's like, I think I, you, you kind of look nice. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should have coffee, right? It's, I don't know you, I don't yeah. uh, like you, and I don't trust you yet. And by the tell, end tell of the book, tell me more about yourself, right? Exactly. It's you get into it if someone spends time with you, if they spend two hours or six hours or 20 hours with you in your book and they go all the way through the book, chances are they like you. They like your humor. They like your turn of phrase. They like your approach. They like your process. And they will want to know what else they can do with you, right? What other options do they have? What other books do you have? What else is available? And that's where a lot of people will connect with an author. And we haven't talked about self-publishing versus traditional publishing, but in a self-published book specifically, the at the back of the book is, is the opportunity for the author to create a deeper author-reader relationship, whether it's in more books or with a newsletter, or by inviting them to attend something that they're hosting, an event or a course or a speaking engagement, by exchanging something in the book such as bonuses or a downloadable for their email address. So by the and, time you get to the back of the book, if you like the author, I know I'm like, what else do they have? You know, take here, take my money. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> Let's go. I want to read everything that they've written. If I like that first book then I'm in.
1: And I'm kind of the same way. If I really enjoy the author's voice and style after I finish the book, I start searching online and seeing, can I find any videos of them speaking? Because if they write in that voice, then I want to see them and see them speaking in that same voice if I enjoyed it. Correct. That kind of goes a little bit deeper into, you know, one of the things that I teach businesses and business leaders is the importance of developing their own brand voice. How important is it to create your own voice when writing a book?
2: It's important to showcase your voice because by the time you're an expert in something or you're writing a book, you already have a voice. It's allowing that voice to come to the top, to allow it to rise to the top and to really utilize it, to use the terms of phrases that you use as a person and to, to let your sense of humor or lack of one, Right, no judgment. Um, Come through the pages so that the person who's writing the book, the person who's reading the book, and the author, and the reader, and the client, they're all the same. They're all on the same page about who everybody is.
1: You can have all the knowledge in the world, but if the way that you deliver the knowledge isn't the way that your reader or your potential client wants to hear it, then you're not going to get the impact you want.
2: And or I believe that you you attract the right people to you. So you, everyone's style is not appropriate for every reader.
1: Well, that's true. Ab- so, absolutely.
2: So it's, so it's allow your personality and your voice to come through, and really magnify it. In your writing and if you're working with a ghostwriter then work with a ghostwriter who is good and seasoned because they will capture your voice and your reader will not be able to tell that you didn't actually write the words but that you were the originator of the words they won't be able to tell that when you work with someone if you are not if you don't fancy yourself a writer and you don't or you don't like to write if writing is painful you still must write a book. (laughs) (laughs) but uh, who does the actual writing? Well, we won't ever tell.
1: And and you're right. A good seasoned ghostwriter will be able to capture your authentic voice and put that to paper. Correct. You mentioned traditional publishing versus self-publishing. And I want to go back and talk about that because, again, this is one of the misconceptions that I had relating to authoring a book is that, you know, most books are traditionally published and any book that is, you know, like that, that you see that looks good, that looks like a quality book is traditionally published. And you know, over the years, you know, decades ago, when I would hear about someone that had self published their book, I thought, okay, well, they wrote some words down on some paper and they, you know, went to Kinko's or FedEx office and got it bound and printed. And, you know, they have maybe five copies of it. And I look at that book and I can tell, hmm, yeah, I know that's self-published. But how can somebody self-publish a book today and have it be a real quality piece of work that people read?
2: That is such a great question. And you're right. There was a time when, the majority of books were published by traditional publishing. And now with the options of publishing through Ingram and through Amazon's KDP, self-publishing is accessible, which is both good and bad because there are a number of people who do say, oh, just write and publish something and throw it up. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't need to be quality. My belief is my position and I'm I'm cemented in my position. Um, is that if you want the book to do everything the book can do, there are a few cornerstones that you must um, focus on in order to make sure that your book is professionally published. So I can talk about those, and then I would like to just talk a little bit about why I think self publishing actually gives you an edge. But first, let me just share um, what I call the four cornerstones of a professionally published book. In yes, essence, please. Any traditionally published book would have, and we can all agree, a beautiful cover, a solid cover that looks professionally done. So you have to have a professional cover because when your book is next to your competitor's books, especially those published by traditional publishing, you don't want someone to immediately say, oh, self-published and toss it aside. Right. Your cover must be professionally designed by a professional cover designer, not even just a graphic designer, but you need someone who understands cover design, font, colors, um, photographs, or images, what each of the fine details are that go into a cover. Then we can move on to what is the read like for the reader, and the only way to get uh, the read to be As good as traditional publishing is to treat your manuscript as traditional publishing would with a copy edit, a line edit, and a proofread. And everybody needs an editor and everybody needs a proofreader. And some people need more editing passes than others.
1: When people think about editing, or to to me, when I would traditionally think about editing, and I think this is the average assumption, you think about proofreading but editing and proofreading are not the same thing. How are they different?
2: Correct. Um, Well, there's different kinds of editing. If we want to go into the weeds a little bit, there is content editing, which is the uh, the overview, the overarching view of the book, which is, does the book meet the promise of the title and the subtitle by closing all the loops? Is the arc of the book complete? So that's content editing then we can get into copy editing which is a, a, a good hard look at the content of the book and the story and the narrative so it's a, a, a little closer view than the the content editing the copy editing is is a, a closer look at the content so perhaps looking at the contents of a chapter and then we get into the line editing and line editing is just um, the, the editor going through the book and not necessarily being concerned with uh, the contents of the book, their, their focus is, does the sentence make sense? Does the sentence before it and after it make sense? Not whether the book flows together. And in that process, every single pass of the manuscript is going to have missing words added in and extra words taken out and just simple sentence structure handled and every single pass will always come back looking like a crime scene (laughs) 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 you think you're turning in a clean manuscript and every editor is going to tear it to shreds and make it as close to perfect as possible the final proofread is the the closest inspection of a sentence and punctuation it's to, to remove all remaining errors from the manuscript. And in all of the books that I have written and produced after you've gone through the book so many times, it's been gone through, uh, re, uh advanced reader team, uh, folks have had their hand at it. The authors read it. I've read it. And we'll still get someone who will say, you just, you know, there's a typo and on page 17.
1: And it's like, no,
2: it's like, if, if, If people were as committed to their goals as typos were committed to staying, (laughs) we would all be really successful. All of that to say, um, every, uh, every different type of editing and proofreading is a further away or closer look at the manuscript and the words in the manuscript. I always recommend that there's at least one editing pass and one proofreading pass. And then once the book is going into the launch phase which is not really part of our topic but if you're launching the book in the way that i recommend you would form an advanced reader team and the advanced reader team would be on the lookout for any remaining mistakes that would be contained in the book um, as well in the manuscript as well uh, prior to official publication
1: and i can imagine that throughout that whole process an author would have the tendency to feel, you know, uh, I guess, not so nice about any of the editing or proofreading or any of the feedback. But throughout that whole process, I kept thinking about the way you were describing the people and their role, their job. Their role and their job is to help make the author look really, really good. Yes, so, yes,
2: yes, yes. Oh, so listen, I, it wasn't until my 52nd book <laughs> that I had come up with my official process for writing the manuscript, letting it rest, going through it and reading it for errors, letting it rest, going through and reading it for errors, putting it through Grammarly. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> I have my whole process of Honoré goes through it and reads it, and I'm sending it off with a hair flip to my editor. And it was the 52nd book that my editor said, wow, your writing is really improved. And what happened was I had just been through this process so many times that, and, and I had educated myself on what the editor was looking for. Because when the book comes back, no matter how perfect you think the manuscript is or how ready it is for the world, when it goes to editing, the expectation I set for all of my authors is it's going to come back looking like your term paper from your 10th grade English teacher. Looks like an, a red ink pen exploded all over it. And that's okay. That is not a reflection on you or your expertise or your knowledge or your experience or your education or what you're offering the world. And no reflection at all. As a matter of fact, that's why you have an editing team to make you look and sound and read great <laughs> so that you don't have to worry about that. Your job is to get what's in your head out on paper. And it's your team's job to put it into something That fulfills that vision that we talked about before.
1: It's like any business. If you're launching out a new product or a service, you know, each person on the team has their own expertise. And then when you're launching it out, it's the marketing team, the PR team that helps craft the message, that helps make it look so quality and make it look so good that the customers want to buy it.
2: That's right. That's right. So just set the expectation that when you get that manuscript back, it's every time, including the final proofreader, you say, oh, this is going to the proofreader and it's perfect. Well, guess what? <laughs> it's not going to be perfect. And that's okay. It's the proofreader's job to catch as many as of those final errors as is humanly possible. And then you, the author, are going through the book again and reading the book and accepting or rejecting the suggested changes of the editor and the proofreader. And then it goes to formatting. So that's, this is the, the third uh, piece of the four cornerstones. So we started with cover. Then we went through the editing and proofreading process. Now we're to the interior formatting, which I have done custom in InDesign by a designer. All of my books are laid out um, with a custom layout, um, which is what, traditional publishing does with a book. They don't upload a Word document, <laughs> right? They have it laid right. out in InDesign and turned into the appropriate digital file or the print-ready PDF file. And then finally, um, the fourth thing is the copywriting. The, the uh, copywriting is the sales copy. It's the back cover copy. If the cover gets someone to look at your book, it's the sales copy What is on the back cover, which we will call back cover copy, if it's on the book, if it's on a retail site, it's the book description, right? When you're reading about it, like on the Amazon page, when you're reading about what a book is about, that's your sales copy, that's your book description, and that's your back cover copy. Three names for exactly the same thing. It's like a movie trailer. Right. Yes. Um, What goes on the back cover should be written by a copywriter who specializes in writing Book descriptions. And I didn't say this before, but you want a book cover designer that's specializing in book cover design. You want an editor who is a traditionally published trained editor, and they're out there. They're freelancers that do that. So they understand traditional publishing quality, but they are available for indie publishers like me, and you can engage them. So you wouldn't use your 10th grade English teacher as your editor because they are not a trained editor. They might be good at English, but they're not an editor um, and proofreaders. Those are specially trained folks. And those are the folks you want to engage in your team for your team. And then your layout designer, you want someone who understands how to lay out a book and what those different elements are. And then finally, copywriting, copywriting that back cover description should be done by someone who is trained in copy for books the sales copy for books. Because if the cover gets someone interested in your book, it's actually the back cover copy that converts at a higher rate. Ooh then the cover. The cover just, you know, it's like, well, sh- she looks okay. I think I'll take her out on a date, right? But it's really, it's really what are her interests and where did she go to school or not? And what does she do for a living? And is she, you know, is she nice to small children and animals, right? <laughs> it's, really, it's really the description of the, of the person, or in this case, the description of the book that convinces someone whether they want to buy the book or ultimately engage you as the professional that they would like to hire.
1: And one thing that I think that people need to keep in mind that you've pointed out is that for each step, for each of these you know, different areas, you have to engage with people that are experts in those specific areas as they relate to books. You can't just get a graphic designer who understands design has to be a book cover designer. You can't just use a copywriter, but it has to be a book copywriter.
2: Yes. So I think it might be helpful for me to close that gap as to why I think indie publishing or self publishing actually has the edge over traditional publishing. If you'd like. Yes. So the if I read a book by a traditional publisher, when I get to the end of the book, and we've talked about what goes in the back of the book, it is an op- opportunity to create the author reader relationship. If I read a book by HarperCollins, in the back of the book by HarperCollins, there is generally a message that says, you know, thank you for reading this book by HarperCollins, and please subscribe to our newsletter at HarperCollins, and we will tell you more about HarperCollins and HarperCollins authors and books that are coming out. It doesn't concern Uh, itself, that the company, the publisher doesn't concern itself, and I'm not throwing them under the bus, it's just an observation, is they are concerned with building their business. So they are interested in developing the publisher-reader relationship. Where indie publishing, independent publishing, self-publishing shines is that we as authors can take that real estate, the real estate that's in the back of the book, and use it to further the author-reader relationship. And that gives you all of the control. Not only do you have all of the control as the author, the content control, the timing of the book release, um, you get to keep the royalties, So you have cash control. You have all of the control of the book. You also control the relationship that you have with the reader. And I know I call that optimization where you take a book and it's not just the contents of the book. But it's how you're engaging with the reader at the beginning of the book, throughout the main content of the book, and the back of the book that really allows you to have flexibility and to capitalize on the opportunities that are present when someone is reading your book.
1: And that makes a lot of sense because if that person has made the commitment to read your book, you've now got a captive audience and you've got real estate that you can devote to that captive audience. And so you would want to, you know, use that real estate in your book in the most impactful way.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's where if you are, if you're looking to publish a book and you think, well, I'm going to get an agent and I'm going to try to get a publishing deal. The things to know are that the agent, um, it's going to take a while to get an agent and agents are looking for very specific. Aspiring authors, they want you to have a platform. They want you to have a following. They want you to be successful. They want you to have a unique method, so, and message. And if you get an agent, then it's going to take time for them to negotiate a traditional deal. And then you are at the whim of the publisher when they're going to publish it, what they're going to allow in the book, what they're going to allow you to do with the contents of the book, and what they're going to expect you to do, which is all the marketing and there's right. nothing wrong with traditional publishing. Um, it, it is a fine option for some people, but if you want all of the control of the book and you want the flexibility that being an indie author allows it is. And also to get it to market sooner because the earliest you're looking at is 18 months to two years with traditional publishing. Um, then indie publishing is a really solid option. And there are options for publishing it as professionally as traditional publishing and capitalizing on that flexibility option that we were just talking about.
1: It sounds like it's, it's not so much to blame traditional publishers, but it's, but it's to understand what their goal is. Mm -hmm. And your book as an author is one of many books in that publisher's portfolio that the publishers offer to their customers, which are their readers, and you may want your book launching at a particular time, but the publisher may say, "No, you know, we're we're launching it on this date instead to fit alongside everything else that we're doing."
2: That's right. That's right. And and a, and for a while, and maybe even still, people were looking for the validation of traditional publishing. Well, I'm not good enough to be an author unless. I'm chosen. If I'm the cho- I'm the chosen one, but there are now six and seven time New York Times bestselling authors who cannot get a book deal, and they are you know <gasps> resorting to indie publishing. And then I get my mitts on them and help them to recognize that they can produce something that's just as good they're still the same writer. They're still, you know, you're still worthy. <laughs> you're still wonderful. Right. All of those things. And you have another book you want to release. And do, do you remember how the marketing fell on you? Oh, yes, I do. And how much money you didn't make for my book? Yes. Uh, also a parent honoree. Okay, great. So then let's do this and let's do it as good or better than traditional publishing, adding in these options for your readers to have a relationship with you and you can connect with them and say, I have a new book coming out. The conundrum for authors, for aspiring authors is if I am validated by traditional publishing and traditional publishing would choose me for a book deal, that means they think that I could produce a profitable book for them and I'm going to share in those profits. But if they would choose you, that means you meet all of the markers for being able to produce a self-published book where you retain all of the control and you make a lot more money. What the publisher does is handle the millions of little details that sometimes authors just don't want to handle. And when they realize there's an option to do it themselves or to hire someone to do it where they retain the control, they're usually very excited. I hear at least once a week, I didn't know someone like you existed. I didn't know I could learn from someone like you, or I didn't know I could hire someone like you.
1: That must be fun. You know, just, just to know, Oh wow. You know, there, there's somebody like you and, and you're there, you can offer them all those services.
2: I can, I do. I I have a bunch of people that um, have agreed to work with me and my clients. And I don't have a reciprocal deal with them. I just say if I refer someone to you or we work on a book together, you treat it as if, as if it's my book. Because I've already vetted them. I've already been through the process with them, some of them dozens of times. And they are well-trained in how to produce a traditionally published book because that's their background. That's where they came from. And now they are independent service providers doing exactly what they did for traditional publishing for some of them for seven or eight years and some of them for 30.
1: And with you referring them, they're still an extension of your brand. They have to make sure that they're still producing quality work that you would feel comfortable attaching your name to.
2: Correct. Yes. I, I never want to hear this didn't go well. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. not a call I want to get. <laughs>
1: I hope they don't want to get that call either. We've talked about aspiring authors, but I still think that there's some people that may not be at that aspiring author level yet, but may be curious, may say, you know, I've got some cool ideas, or, you know, or, or even just, you know, I just don't think that that's something that I could ever do. What can you tell someone who's either afraid to write their own book? or they don't even think that their ideas are good enough.
2: First of all, if you have an area of expertise and people are asking you for it and they're paying you for it, you most likely have um, at least a book idea that could be um, crafted in a way that would be beneficial to the reader and beneficial to the author. Um, if you're talking about imposter syndrome, like, well, I don't even know if if I have enough information um, Chances are that you do. Keep in mind that one of the best selling books of all time, Think and Grow Rich, was written by Napoleon Hill, who was not rich. He was a reporter. If you don't feel like you have enough knowledge and expertise to write a book from your experience, from your past, you can write a book from the perspective of being the reporter, where you're interviewing people and gathering information and sharing what you've learned. Um, you benefit, and the reader benefits from that.
1: I actually did not even know that about Napoleon Hill. I just assumed no. that that he was sharing from his life experiences and not through interviewing others.
2: No, he he actually went on on. Uh, I, I think it took him twenty or thirty years to write Think and Grow Rich, where he was just spending time at the feet of people who were very wealthy and learning what their mindset was like and what were their action items. What were their behaviors and what did they do? And then put that in a book for everyone to benefit from.
1: Yeah, he was was one person learning from different people, but then curating, compiling and curating all that information and crafting it in a way that people would want to pay attention to and then was able to publish that.
2: Right. And he included in it something that is in almost every best-selling book which is a formula for someone to follow. When you write a book and you provide a formula for someone to follow that they can use and improve their lives, they will then share that book and the chances of your book uh, succeeding and being shared organically, which is the number one way people find out about a book is through recommendation. Have you read such and such, right? Have you read The Miracle Morning? Have you read The Five Second Rule? Uh, you know, have you read, insert book here, whatever it is, fiction, nonfiction, um, that's the number one way people find out about a book. In order uh, for that to happen with a nonfiction book, one of the best things to do is to have a formula that you've developed, that you share, that people can easily remember and share with other people.
1: Yeah, formulas make it simple to Correct. achieve that growth that the author wants you to achieve.
2: That's right. That's right. So take whatever it is you want to talk about and put it into an acronym or a formula or a saying that people can remember and they can regurgitate and they can share. And that will help you to get organic shares and recommendations for your book.
1: So what you're saying is, if I want to teach people how to create simple experiences in their business, simple experiences for their customers or employees, one of the best ways to do that is to create a formula that can follow an acronym like SIMPLE?
2: Simple. (laughs) Yes.
1: Well, there we go. Concept created. One of the things that I teach businesses and business leaders is that your brand is the full experience that you provide to others. Mm -hmm. And much of the experience that authors can provide is way more than just the book itself. So how can authors ensure that they give the best overall experience for their book?
2: To publish it professionally, to meet those four criteria that we talked about earlier, and then to understand that the marketing of the book, the lifespan of the book, is for as long as they're alive.
1: Oh, explain that.
2: Sure. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll throw traditional publishing under the bus now for real. Um, there we go. When we, you we are traditionally... It. When you aren't traditionally published, you have 12 weeks for your book to sink or swim. So you're in their catalog, you're in their marketing for 12 weeks. And if your book is doing great, then they might do another printing, they might re-up some of their efforts, which aren't very many, but they will they will consider your book a success and go into you know a phase two. Otherwise, your book has expired. However, your book is not an avocado. It doesn't go bad. It's always going to be able to help the next person who doesn't know about it. I say that the first uh, phase of marketing for a book begins when you are considering writing a book and you have a blank page because the marketing is a consideration that begins very early in the process, even day zero and ends After the launch of the book ends, which is about 30 to 45 days after the official launch of the book. So once the book is out into the world, you have four to six weeks um, where the book is just released, right? I just released a book that can last about four to six weeks. Um, And it doesn't even go the 12 weeks because of some of the analytical factors, which The algorithm factors uh, for retailers, which are not part of this discussion, but they run out about 30 to 45 days after you've launched your book. So then you move into phase two of book marketing um, at that point and phase two ends when you die. And what that means is that there's a long runway for marketing and that every day you should do one or two or seven things to get the word out about your book. So it's social media, podcast interviews, blog posting, connecting with people on LinkedIn, in your area of expertise. The marketing for your book never ends. It is always an asset that you can continue to use and share forever. No one ever says, well, that book is too old. I can't read it. Unless it's out of date information, you will be able to share your book for many, many years, decades to come.
1: Right, yeah. If if it's if it's not about you know how to prepare for Y two K, you know, then,
2: <laughs> yes. then you can still or, sell your book. Yes. How to survive the pandemic of twenty twenty would probably be um, a book that would go uh, into the into the recycle bin uh, in twenty twenty one. But the, for the most part books experience a right out of the gate success and the ones that are still being marketed and shared actually have a curve that increases month over month, year over year. So your book sales in year two will be more than year one and so on and so forth.
1: That's something else that's just really eye opening to me in, in learning about this process is I think a lot of people when they're thinking about their books that it's kind of a one and done deal. Like, you know, okay, yeah, I I wrote a book in 2019. We marketed it for a few months and that was it. And now it, it kind of sort of sells a little bit here and there. And that was then. But that just amazes me that you can still focus on marketing your book until the day you die.
2: Yes. P- yes, please, please do. Your heirs will thank you.
1: <laughs> well, I hope so. Honoré, we've learned so much hearing about this, and I hope that this window has been open for a number of people that are, that are listening and recognizing that you know, not only can you write a book, but you really must write a book, and it's really going to help you to grow your brand. Beyond just this conversation, I know that there's a lot that people can learn from you. Where can people go to learn more?
2: Uh, They can go to my website, honorequarter.com, H-O-N-O-R-E-E-C-O-R-D-E-R.com. And right on the front, you can get a free digital copy of You Must Write a Book and all of the bonuses that come with that book. And it will get you started, at least in the process of, of thinking about your book. Even if it's something you know is not right now, it will help you to walk you through the process. And if you're ready right now, it will help to definitely walk you through the process and, and provide some insight and if uh, a bigger connection is warranted then you will see options for doing that as well.
1: So so people can get a full digital copy of your book not just a sample not just That's the right. first chapter.
2: Yeah, no it's a it's a full copy. I'm a nice full like that. copy. Yeah.
1: What a gift. That's awesome. Last question for you. If you were to create a soundtrack For your work, what would you include?
2: Well, when I'm working, I think what you're asking, not what I would recommend people listen to while they're reading my book, but I think what you're asking is what do I listen to when I'm writing?
1: Yes, you. Um,
2: Yes. So so when I am writing, I tend to listen to either uh, a Britney Spears playlist on Pandora or a Def Leppard playlist on Pandora, which both of those date me. I'm aware. It's totally fine. or pop tunes. Uh, Some people cannot write with lyrics. I can write with lyrics. It's really the beat that gets me going. So if I ever feel like I can't write or I'm not up, up to writing, I don't believe in writer's block. I believe it's just a state and when you're in the right state, you can do anything. So I put myself in, the, in a peak state by listening to great music that moves me. And that's my recommendation too, is to, to music that always makes you happy, no matter what state of mind you're in, That listen to that and that will get you going.
1: Oh, that's great advice too. And it doesn't have to be what this particular author listens to or what that person listens to to, to, to do deep work, but it's, it's what gets you moving. Right. Awesome. I love it. Honoré, so great seeing you, even if it is virtually, so great seeing you and talking with you again. Thank you so much.
2: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Honoré Quarter, And more importantly, I hope you learned that not only is it feasible, not only can you write a book, but that you must write a book. And here are the steps you can take to do that. But again, for you to go a little bit deeper and understand exactly how you can craft and write and publish and launch and market your book, then go check out Honoré's Publishing PhD live course. You can go there by visiting mattlyles.com slash PhD. Hey, I hope you're enjoying listening to the Simple Brand Podcast. I love having you with us today. Um, I'd love it if you hit the subscribe button. And when you do, that's going to be a lot simpler for you to get future episodes. We've got some great episodes coming up. Lots of more great interviews. Lots of fun guests. More lessons from me, Matt Lyles. So hit the subscribe button, and then you can automatically make sure that you get those new episodes as soon as they're live. Until then, keep it simple.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Simple Brand Podcast. Want to make your listening experience simple and automatically receive each new episode? Visit our website, simplebrandpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. If you're finding value from the Simple Brand Podcast, leave us a rating or review. That helps us get the show to the ears of the people who need it most. Be sure to catch Matt right here next week. Same Matt time, same Matt channel. Until then, keep it simple.